Hello, everyone. This is Brian Nicolason, your host of the Freedom and Wealth podcast. Thank you all for joining. Uh, today is Friday, July 1st. Um, excited for the weekend. I've got a big weekend ahead. Um, a good friend of mine, uh, Josh uh, Brettmeyer, is, is going to be getting married, so we're going to his wedding on that's tomorrow. And then we've got 4th of July, so uh, very excited for the uh, the holiday. Always love the 4th of July. You know, just a little history. I mean, the Continental Congress uh, voted in favor of independence on July 2nd, 1776. And then two days later, delegates from the 13 colonies adopted the Declaration of Independence. And that's really what we're celebrating on the 4th of July is this Declaration of Independence from Great Britain. Um, but, you know, we got to remember that was five years before uh, the war was over. So that was two years into the Revolutionary War. And then, you know, after we declared our independence, the Patriots fought for five more years against Great Britain. And, you know, somewhere between 25,000 and 70,000 American Patriots died during that war, fighting for our freedom, fighting for our independence. Um, you know, in total, I actually looked this number up because I was kind of doing some research and and found that over 1.3 million Americans uh, have died fighting for the freedoms that we have here in this country over the last 250 years. Um, so really, you know, when we celebrate our great country and its independence, we should remember that, you know, all those those people that really made the ultimate sacrifice for our freedom, uh, not just them, but, but uh, you know, soldiers and, and veterans from, from all the wars, um, you know, always just... Um, just in awe as to to what they gave for for us and for our freedom and you know it, what's it's what makes me so upset when I look at you know honestly a lot of the left in their just almost seems like hatred of this country and everything that it stands for and it's just disgusting um, I don't know what it's what it's all about um, maybe it's ignorance I don't know but I think a lot of it's also just um, not understanding, not understanding why things were made the way they are. Uh, but I actually, um, you know, by the founding fathers, I mean, but I actually wanted to talk a little bit about, uh, before we jump into the markets, which I think is going to be a really interesting conversation today, but I want to talk about the Supreme Court's EPA ruling, which to me is really one of the most important Supreme Court rulings that we've seen in the last 50 years. And everybody's talking about Roe v. Wade and, and you know, the the uh, ruling on the New York uh, rules on firearms, etc. Um, but to me, this EPA ruling is is extremely important. Not not because of the rule itself, but because of the precedent that it lays out. And I am so happy that uh, the Supreme Court was able to do this because what it does is it really reins in the power of these agencies. You know, it's it's saying that um, uh, I wish I wrote the the rule here. Um, oh, anyway, I thought I, I wrote the rule down. But anyway, they're basically saying, you know, if what you're doing as an agency of the U.S. government affects a huge piece of the American economy, then you have to point to uh, clear congressional authorization. Okay. And, and that's what all these agencies don't do. Um, and you know, I actually went and looked how many agencies 
are in the U.S. government, and the number is staggering. It's 1,289 agencies uh, in the U.S. government, and all these agencies just basically go in and regulate stuff. I mean, I'm just going to read through. I just going to read through a few of them. We have the Farm Service Agency, the Risk Management Agency, the Minority Business Development Agency, the Defense Contract Audit Agency. We have the, those are all defense, the, the uh, Defense Threat Reduction Agency. Let me get through out of the Defense Department. We have the Civilian Human Resources Agency, the Physical Disability Agency, the Defense Forensics and Biometrics Agency. Um, the Equity and Inclusion Agency, that's a favorite of mine. Um, the United States Army Command and Control Support Agency. Uh, these are all Army stuff. Uh, Air Force, let me get out of the military because uh, we have the Agency for Healthcare Research and Quality, National Center for Environmental Health Agency for Toxic Substances and Disease Registry. I mean, you could just go down the list. That's a few of them. But, you know, these are agencies you've never heard of. And you never heard of them. They're so obscure, but if you think about it, I, I can't even imagine what the budget is for each of them. And it's, it's, this is the government bureaucracy that they talk about. Over 1,200 government agencies, all ran by appointed people. None of the people that run any of these agencies were elected to do anything, right? These were just basically appointed people um, that run these agencies that create all different types of regulation and red tape. And I looked up the definition of administrative agencies on the government website. And what it says is the agency can set the rules that businesses must comply with, can investigate and prosecute those businesses, and can hold administrative hearings for violations of those rules. Okay? So basically what we have is a government elected, you know, theoretically we elect our, our officials, and they basically, you know, are controlled by lobbyists. And then they appoint people to run these agencies, over 1,200 of them, regulating every part of our entire lives. And they put down all these rules. They can set the rules, investigate, prosecute. They can do all of it, all by just appointing people. And none of it is passed by Congress. So the Congress isn't passing any laws. And these agencies just have unilateral you know, reach to just go out and do whatever they want. And that is really the problem with our government. And it's the expansion of the the legislative branch, right? And, and basically, what the left is so upset about is that they're cracking down on these agencies, um, not legislative, executive branch agencies. Um, and there's this idea that because our Congress is so dysfunctional that it's okay to give a ton of power to the executive branch you know, via these agencies. And what this Supreme Court ruling does is it shuts that down and says, no, you got to have congressional authorization to make rules that affect the entire economy. And that is what it's all about. There is a reason it's hard to pass laws. It's very hard to pass laws. And that's because they didn't want the president just making unilateral decisions. And that's what happens. Basically, that's everything. You know, that was the OSHA um you know, we had the OSHA, uh, not, o yeah, what was it? Oh, was this, I guess it was the CDC, whoever did the eviction moratorium. And that got struck down in the courts too, because you can't have the CDC saying, hey, you know, if you're a landlord, you have to allow your, your tenant to, 
to stay and not pay. I mean, and it affected a lot of people that I know, you know, um, people that I work with, friends, families that were landlords that own buildings. And their tenants were basically like, yeah, I'm not paying you. you know, I'm going to buy a new Audi, but I'm not going to pay you. And that was the agency that made that rule. And the Supreme Court shut that down. Then they, they shut down this, this EPA uh, um, ruling. And I think it's just a wonderful thing for our country to rein in these agencies because these agencies are just absolutely out of control. And they're so big. Um, they're so massive. They, they just control large swaths of our uh, economy. And it's just I'm, I'm really happy to see that starting to get reined in. Um, so anyway, just a little bit of a, a side note on that. So uh, back to the markets. Again, we just ended yesterday. The first half of the year, it was the worst first half of the stock market since 1970. So in 52 years, we haven't had such a bad start to a year. And, um, you know, that's only going to continue because we have um, we have a very weak economy and the economy is in a bubble. We've been in a bubble economy and now the air is coming out primarily because of inflation. And we're going to see you know, just really bad stuff uh, coming down. So very interesting stuff. So actually this morning, <clears throat> I talk about this all the time, the Atlanta GDP tracker. So the Atlanta Fed um, regional bank keeps a real-time tracker of GDP. So they're trying to estimate what the GDP is for the quarter and they, they do it real time. So all quarter, at least I guess the end of the quarter, they show you where they're tracking. So once the quarter gets, I think it's like two thirds of the way through, maybe for the last month, they're they're tracking it, <clears throat> and they um, they try and track where you're going to land. And, and it was up. They were estimating a 1.6 percent or something like that growth rate. Then it went down to 0.9. Then it was flat zero. And now, as we conclude the quarter, we're looking at a negative one percent growth rate for second quarter. We already printed a negative 1.5, which got redacted to a negative 1.6. So it was even worse than originally calculated. So first quarter of the year, GDP contracted 1.6%. And according to the Atlanta Fed and their estimate, we're going to see another negative 1%. So that was the title of the article we saw on CNBC this morning. We are likely already in a recession. It's it. This is the alarm. <clears throat> now, I've been calling this, if you look back on my podcast, since we got that first negative print, that we are going to have a second negative print. It, it's just, it was inevitable. Um, you saw consumer debt flying up and prices flying up. Basically, the consumers have no money. So if the consumers have no money, consumers make up 70% of the economy. So if they have no money and they're tapping out credit cards, um, then you're done, right? You're going to have lowered uh, productivity. And it's a recession. That's a technical recession. Now, we're already in a recession because that's how you label a recession. But once you label it, you have to go back to the beginning of the year. And so technically, if the GDP tracker for the Atlanta Fed is correct, then we've been in a recession for six months. And everybody's sitting on CNBC, all the financial advisors out there, all the financial analysts, that are just continually wrong. I mean, it's and, and the Fed and the, the politicians, you know, they all oh, we're in a strong economy. We're not worried about a recession. We don't think that's our base case. You know, we think that's a possibility, but it's not likely. I mean, these are what the that everybody's been telling us. <clears throat> and here we are likely to be in a recession. 
I mean, it's just astonishing. So, so now what are they going to do, right? I mean, what are we going to do? Now all these people are just going to admit they're wrong. I guess they just do it all the time anyway. So, um, again, we've been in this recession all year, and we're going to continue to do that. Now, again, we, we've been in this inflationary environment. Um, we have you know, record high inflation. The inflation's only going to get worse because if you calculate a 12-month rolling average inflation, you're going to see low numbers from last summer start to fall off. So July and August inflation numbers last year were very low. <clears throat> so <clears throat> as those fall off and we see replacing numbers that are much higher, then you're going to see potentially nine-handle inflation, 10-handle inflation, uh, much above where we are right now, which I think 8.5, something like that. So the inflation is going to continue to pick up. The GDP is going to continue to contract. Okay. Um, interest rates are continuing, going to continue to rise. And we haven't even started the process of reducing inflation. Um, the Fed balance sheet expanded for the third consecutive week in June. Uh, that So Basically, there's three weeks in, in June that we're looking at so far. We're probably going to get the fourth week very soon. But the, at the end of the third week, we've expanded the Fed balance sheet every single week in June. We were supposed to start quantitative tightening on June 1st. The balance sheet was supposed to be getting reduced in June. But it's not. It's expanding. It was up $1.9 billion. That's more than $999 million. That's double that. I mean, it's so much money that the Fed printed just in the last week in June. And again, we're supposed to be tightening. We're supposed to be reducing the balance sheet. Yet they printed $1.9 trillion last week. Billion. Sorry. Not trillion. Billion. So what is happening? The Fed balance sheet still $8.934 trillion. Much higher than it was Pre-COVID, it was at $4 trillion. So are we ever going to be able to reduce this balance sheet? I mean, this is just ridiculous, right? Um, and it, it's just astonishing. Again, I, I just can't even get the words, you know, on why this Fed is so unable to, um, to do what they say they're going to do. And they can't do it because the economy is weak. Because the stock market's in bear market territory. The S&P 500 is down 21%. Um, and by the way, the S&P 500 rallied off its June 16th lows up 6.1%. Since then, it's lost 4% of those gains. Headed back down into bear market territory. Down 21 22% for the year. Um, so we are, are firmly in bear market territory. Couldn't get that rally up where the last rally was up 9%, 10%. You can't get these rallies more than 6%. <clears throat> subsequent losses right away, 4%. Um, but, you know, the reason the stock market's not crashing even more um, is I think yields have, have backed off. Inflation expectations are backing off oddly, right? Why are we under this impression that inflation's not a problem anymore? It's ridiculous, right? If you look at the bond market, they're actually pricing in a rate cut for the beginning of 2023. So the bond market is already pricing in a recession, what they should be, um, but somehow under the impression that inflation is going to go away and the Fed's going to go back to money printing, back to 0% interest rates <clears throat> by the beginning of next year. So why do they think that? Well, they think that because Wall Street, bond traders, the gold traders are all still listening to the Fed who says we're in this strong economy. 
Um, inflation is already peaked. Everybody's saying inflation's peaked. Inflation hasn't peaked. Inflation's just getting started. You know, the gasoline prices dropping a little bit is not does not mean inflation's peaking. It just means it temporarily dropped. But you know, the the uh, bureaucratical situation around the gasoline production uh, is so bad that no one's investing. There's a huge lack of investment, which means gasoline prices are going to continue to rise, especially as China starts to reopen. So inflation is just getting started. And that's the that's the problem that we're in, where we are absolutely going to be in stagflation. And everybody wants to not talk about stagflation. Oh, stagflation can happen. Uh, we have a strong economy. There's no reason to believe that we're going to be in a stagflationary environment. And these people are out of their mind. The Absolutely, the economy is going to be in a recession. Um, the ISM Manufacturing Purchasing Managers Index for June just came in at 53 instead of an anticipated 55. ISM Manufacturing New Orders for June came in at 49 instead of an anticipated 54. So those are huge, huge macroeconomic indicators of what's going on in the economy in manufacturing. Both of them came in weaker than expected. We've got the GDP contraction. So we are absolutely, without a doubt, going to be going into a recession in the next few days whenever they release the GDP number. I got to look at the calendar. But when they do that, we are absolutely going to be in a recession from the beginning of the year, which means every single person out there, whether it was the president, the Federal Reserve chairman, most of the analysts on, on CNBC, the financial analysts, the financial advisors, they were all wrong, okay? Because they didn't think we were going into a contraction and they don't understand it because they don't understand economics. The fact is when you print money like we did and have a reckless monetary and fiscal policy, you are going to have inflation and inflation is going to hurt the consumer and the consumer makes up 70% of the economy. So when that happens, you are going to go into a recession and that is absolutely happening. To be honest, the GDP, the contraction in our GDP might be so bad, technically we potentially could call it a depression um, soon enough. And then it, a stagflation wouldn't even be the right uh, term. It would be a, a, an inflationary depression. And um, I think that's more likely the outcome here because there's no positive, uh, no positive spin ahead. I mean, what are the consumers stronger now? I mean, they have more credit card debt than ever. So why are they stronger? You know, consumers have never had this much credit card debt. Neither have the corporations, by the way. You know, corporations have, I think, 13 or 15 percent higher debt than they did pre-COVID. And yet, um, you know, we're, we're talking about, oh, if we get back to the earnings from 2019, it's not that bad. OK, but they're carrying a bunch more debt. So wouldn't it be worse than the, the pre-COVID highs? You know, I think let's let's touch on that from a stock price perspective. Again, we're sitting here. I think we're at 16, 17 times earnings in the S&P 500 prices. But the earnings that they're looking at are earnings estimates from the beginning of the year when everything was honky dory. You know, in a recession, the average earnings goes down to the S&P 500 20%. So if you're looking at 16 times earnings, right, in, an, in a recession, um, those earnings go down by 20%. So right away, stock prices have to go down 20% from here once the earnings were de uh, earnings adjustments come in. So when the earnings come in and the earnings um, outlooks 
come in 20% lower throughout the remaining part of the year. It's going to take all year to do it. You'll see equity prices go down 20% just on that. And then secondary to that, in a Fed tightening schedule, which we are going to continue to be in because inflation prints are going to continue to come in hot. When we're in a Fed tightening schedule, then the P.E. ratios should be closer to 10 or 11 percent, not 16, 17 percent. So that's another 30 percent down. So there is still a world where you're down 50 percent from here, which puts us significantly below our 2019 highs. You know, we're much we're a lot higher than we were in the stock market pre-COVID. You know, when Trump was president and he was bragging about the biggest, the, the strongest stock market in American history and reaching all-time highs, 2019. Think about how high those stock prices were in 2019. Remember those conversations that Trump was having on TV, right? He was talking, oh, this is the strongest stock market, yada, yada. Well, those prices were significantly below where we are today. And so I want you to think about the economy for a second and say, hey, do you believe that our economy is stronger today than it was pre-pandemic? Do we think that shutting down the economy Okay, just breaking business, printing trillions of dollars, adding tons of corporate debt, tons of consumer debt, right? And basically just destroying a supply chain. Are we stronger now because of all that? The answer to me is no. So if we're not stronger than we were pre-pandemic as an economy from a productivity standpoint, then what makes us think? that stock prices belong higher than they were in 2019. Because stock prices today are higher than they were in 2019. So shouldn't we go down to that level of 2019? And then from there, we also have a lot more debt. So maybe we should go even lower than that. And again, to get to that point, you're talking 30 to 50% down from here. The average baby boomer portfolio could be down 50% from its highs. These are not out of the question. The only thing that will stop that is the Fed going back to money printing, sacrificing the dollar, just printing money just to, to buy everything, increase asset prices, and just just go just not care about inflation. And in the short term, you might see a pop in, in, um, in prices, but inflation will just be so bad at that point you know that, that it won't be possible to maintain this economy at all. And you'll see reductions down after that. So there's no good outcome here, right? I really don't see um, how it's possible. And, and anyone is welcome to challenge me on that. You know, anybody who wants to come on my podcast, you know, feel free to just send me a note. You can go to freedomandwealthusa.com, put in a form and just say that you want to be a special guest and challenge me on on what's rosy, what's out there, what's where's the, where's the great opportunities, right? Um, now, there are companies that will do well in a recession. There are companies that will make money. And uh, we got to buy those companies. But again, all these equity valuations are still overpriced. We're still running at a 16 times earnings, still significantly higher than we should be. And earnings projections are still way higher than they should be. We need to see these earnings reductions. Once that happens, we'll see the reduction in stock prices. And we'll know who you know was swimming naked, right? Um, and, and then we'll once the once the water comes out so uh let's let the waves come out um and and let's look at what's what what is there to to buy so again 
you know, just a little bit of an update on some of that macroeconomic data. And, you know, the podcast that we did two weeks ago was some of the worst economic data I've ever seen. And here we are with more of it. Here we are entering a recession for the first time since, um, I don't even know if COVID was a recession, technically. I look back at that. But but really, the tr- first true recession since 08. And this could be the worst one yet. So um, if you're a client, you know, obviously, we have so much cash in the portfolio. We're ready to buy. Um, you know, we've seen reductions in silver and gold. And this is because the, the um, investing community is still under the impression that inflation's peaked. And that the recession is more important and the Fed needs to go back to an accommodative stance. And I just don't know that that's going to happen. It shouldn't happen. It's not the right thing to do. And it's going to be up to Jerome Powell to make sure that he takes care of this inflation problem. Because without price stability, there is no economy. And uh, and he, I think maybe he does know that. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. Um, but uh, a lot of people, unfortunately, are going to get hurt in this stock market waiting, f- you know, thinking they're at a bottom. And, you know, once I, I don't know if that recession uh, article just wasn't on people's front page, but we're in a recession. As far as the Atlanta Fed tells us, we're in a recession. We'll get that confirmation when the data comes out, but I have no doubt that it will be the case. And uh, we're going to have to look at what the, the Fed response is here in, in July. Okay. So um, thank you for joining. Everybody, I hope you have a wonderful 4th of July. Enjoy the family. Um, you know, enjoy friends and uh, and celebrate this great country and and spread the word about what it means to be an American, to be uh, in a country built on rugged individualism, on freedom, on the ability to pull yourself up on your bootstraps and and build your own business and um, and and let's all you know cheers to uh, to the Supreme Court's ability to shut down some of these agencies' power to regulate us and let's hope that continues. Thank you, everyone. Uh, always check us out at freedomandwealthusa.com. Put in your information for our financial plan, an investment strategy report, a tax strategy. Uh, we do everything financial planning. Um, we really uh, will do a great job giving you analysis of where you are and then giving you some really concrete strategies with defined outcomes uh, to make sure you're going to achieve your goals and, and live the retirement of your dreams. Again, thank you, Brian Nicolason, freedomandwealthusa.com. The opinions expressed by Brian Nicolason and guests on this radio show are their own and do not reflect the opinions of this radio station. All statements and opinions expressed are based upon information considered reliable, although it should not be relied upon as such. Any statements or opinions are subject to change without notice. Investments involve risk and unless otherwise stated are not guaranteed. Past performance cannot be used as an indicator to determine future results. Any strategies mentioned may not be suitable for everyone. Information expressed does not take into account your specific situation or objectives and is not intended as recommendations appropriate for you. Before acting on any information mentioned, please consult with a qualified tax or investment advisor to determine if it is suitable for your specific situation. This program is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information with regard to subject covered. Investment advisory services offered through Brookstone Capital Management, LLC, a registered investment advisor. BCM and Nicolaysen Wealth Partners are independent of each other. Insurance products and services are not offered through BCM, but are offered and sold through individually licensed and appointed agents.